and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staten of Witts University in Johannesburg. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Well, today we're going to do a wrap-up of the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. It's all over now. Everybody's back home again. Obama's on to 15 new different different crises that he's managing around the world. But for four days in Washington last week, he took the time to focus on Africa, which is something that he hasn't done for most of his uh, his time in office. Uh, for the six years, he's actually neglected Africa, and, and many people have said that he's done it uh, to a great disservice to, to to the foreign policy that he inherited from George W. Bush, which which uh, had a very strong Africa focus to it, particularly with PEPFAR and some of the other programs that he was doing. So Obama wanted to kind of address this. Now, the reason why we're going to be talking about it is because looming in the background of all of this was China. It kind of was the big elephant in the room. So while the United States was saying it wanted to do a reset, it wanted to show how important Africa was to it, Time and time again, the China question came up. And let's, before we get started, Kobus, I'd like to kind of play a quote uh, from a speech that, uh, that Obama gave. And in many ways, it highlights the role that China played in this. Now, he doesn't reference China by name, but he does highlight the differences between the United States' approach to Africa and the Chinese' approach to Africa, and he implies that America is the better choice for Africa. We don't look to Africa simply for its natural resources. We recognize Africa for its greatest resource, which is its people and its talents and their potential. We don't simply want to extract minerals from the ground for our growth. We want to build genuine partnerships that create jobs and opportunity for all our peoples and that unleash the next era of African growth. That's the kind of partnership America offers. So, Kobus, to me, that quote, which was really widely circulated both in news coverage and on Twitter and social media, really summarizes the conference and the summit in, in many different ways, because it highlights, again, the different approach that the Americans want to take. It does offer a contrast to the Chinese, but at the end of the day, to me, it really showed what I really interpreted as an insecurity about the American role in Africa. Yes, especially, um, you know, against the background of, of declining levels of trade. So, um, you, you know, a previous guest of ours, um, Yun Sun at the Brookings Institution, recently published a, a, an article pointing out that despite the, 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 you know, America pushing the African Growth and Opportunities Act, um, actual trade with the, between the U.S. and Africa has really declined over the last three years. It's 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 keep falling and falling and falling, and the Steadily. main is that yes the main reason is that the US isn't importing as much oil and gas from Africa because they're becoming much more energy self-sufficient thanks to fracking um, so you know kind of so, so it, it, it rings a little bit hollow you know you know if, if you look at it you know kind of in in the context of just the trade kind of like almost drawing up well not drawing up is just is too strong well, but it's you know probably falling. too strong but it's definitely falling and again a very interesting graphic that came out uh, God, I tweeted it but I don't remember where I got it from, but showed that trade numbers between China and Africa and the U.S. and Africa, U.S. is now less than half of what the Chinese are doing. Now, the Americans will tell you that it's not a competition. Now, in one breath, they'll tell you it's not a competition. Then they're going to turn right around and say, effectively, that it is a competition and that the Americans are better positioned. So I don't want to sound all negative because I was very happy, particularly as an American, to see finally corporations, Amer- you know, the, the, the political system 
take focus on Africa when the rest of the world in many parts have been. But at the end of the day, I also kind of came to it with a lot of skepticism. So on the one hand, the Americans are talking about the emphasis on democracy, transparency, good governance. And and, and yet John Kerry has a press conference with Joseph Kabila. And what I found so interesting about this was that Joseph Kabila, who's the president of the DRC, um, is, you know, if if there's a more corrupt man in Africa, I don't really know, but maybe Mugabe, but it's a shade, uh, you know, a difference of, of degree. Yeah, you know, they're right up there. They're like, right up there. Yeah, and, top and five, yeah. Now, we just spoke with Johanna Janssen, who made the very good point that John Kerry, at the end of the day, along with the U.S. government, is, is pragmatic. And, you know, Kabila is the only force right now that can bring stability in, in the DRC. That's fine. I totally get that. What I resent, though, is to say, well, we are all about good governance, democracy, and supporting you know, positive actors, and denying the fact that their pragmatic foreign policy forces them to cozy up to someone like Kabila. That was the double talk that really annoyed the hell out of me watching this conference. Exactly, and and what also annoyed me in in you know kind of is that you know kind of America rhetorically set it up, or the or Obama rhetorically set it up as if you know kind of uh, as if the Chinese are explicitly saying we only want your oil, you know. While in reality, China the the message that the the rhetoric coming from China is win win all the time, you know. That's that that's what the you know kind of we're helping you help your help yourself. This, they're almost they're almost pushing the same message. They're, they're pushing, pushing very similar rhetoric, actually. So it's, in a way, it's this kind of false distinction being made. And, you know, kind of, and I think from an African perspective, it would always, almost be better if someone said, look, we want your oil. We don't care if you live or die. You know, let's let's do business. You yeah. know, um, you know that 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 is because obviously it's it's more realistic, but it's it's you know kind of it, it it opens up space within which Africa can then you know aggressively negotiate for itself rather than being always positioned in this situation as as being helped. You know, um, and it's just such a frustrating position to be in to always be the one who's being helped. Well, yeah, I mean, and and it's a good point that there's Africa the victim kind of theme that still keeps kind of, you know, making its way in here. Uh, Interestingly enough, in the United States, so much of the media coverage focused on Ebola. And what was so interesting was, you know, you just see how stupid so many American journalists are and, and how they would, a lot of the questions were about, and I, and I started tweeting this kind of, you know, you know Ebola is a, is, is a crisis and it's really something to be taken extremely serious. And I don't want to diminish it in any way, but it is confined to a zone of three countries, relatively small in West Africa, with the potential to spread, of course. But when, you know, the, the, the you know, leaders from Tanzania and Uganda are being asked about Ebola and they're rightfully saying, you know, this is thousands of kilometers away from us. You, you know, you have no idea, basically, where we are on the map. And so yeah. Ebola was... that. That was kind of like, ugh, okay, that's the, the idiocy of the American media. Um, we'll put that aside for now. What I thought was also interesting was how the United States, the administration, was really downplaying that they're not going to have a number that comes out of this summit. You know, a lot of, a lot of the Chinese summits, the FOCAC and even the TCAD in Japan, they come out with this grand number, you know, $20 billion of aid, da 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 well, you know, so they really downplayed that we're not going to have a number. Lo and behold, what did the administration 
pitch by the end of the summit was $33 billion. I mean, they were pushing yeah, a number. And I yeah. just was like, wait, what? And the reason why this <laughs> number to me is a BS number, and I just couldn't, I couldn't help get, get past it, is because when the Chinese say they're going to put out a number, and even the Japanese actually, um, that's a governmental number. So that's coming out of official sources of finance. When the Americans are talking about the $33 billion of investments that are going to come into Africa from American corporations, the White House has no ability to control that. So it's all pure speculation. It's a wonderful number. It makes for great headlines. The follow-up in five years is that only a small fraction of those deals, in my guess, will actually go through. And that's why I think, again, I thought it was a kind of a cheap shot that they, you know, they had to have a number that topped everybody else's, and it's a number that really can't be backed up through policy. The numbers that they can back up through policy are stuck in the American bureaucratic process. So they kept talking about Power Africa as if it's a done deal, when in fact, the White House knows full well that Power Africa, the $7 billion initiative that the Obama administration announced during his trip last year to Africa, is stuck on Capitol Hill and has not even made it out of the House into the Senate. So to me, it's disingenuous. And again, you have a situation here where the journalists in Washington know very little about this subject and simply don't ask the right questions of like, oh, you're so proud of Power Africa. Well, where is it? Where is that money? Yeah, yeah, and and, and exactly. to me, that's what just got so frustrating. Yes, no, it, it, it was very frustrating for me as well. Um, you know, especially, you know, kind of knowing that that getting anything through through the kind of political process in the U.S. for Obama is very difficult. Um, you know, so he's, he's really is being blocked everywhere, like for domestic policy as well, of course. Um, so, you know, so so Power Africa is very far from, you know, far from being a done deal. You know, it's, it's even further than it would have been if it was just, you know, kind of, if, you know, under a different president. So, so, yeah, it's, it's it's very frustrating. Um, uh, you know, kind of. I, I was. It also seemed to me that um, this. You know, kind of to return to the to the quote that you that you played earlier. Um, you know, there, there seems to me a, a, a philosophical problem here, or like more fundamental problem, which is you know, kind of how possible is it to really build capacity and develop human capital in someone else's country? Like, you know, kind of how, how possible is it for America to really do what they say they're going to do? Um, you know, kind of like I, I, if, I, if someone, had to, uh, someone tells me, okay, go and develop capacity in this other country where you f- don't even speak the language, you know, um, like I, I would be completely lost. Like, how, how, like it, it seems to be this kind of almost like this, this dream project or like, you know, kind of like imaginary project that, but that just simply being repeated over and over and over again is somehow going to be made real. Well, um, I, I don't know. Am I, am I being too academic and too, too kind of uh, cynical about that? No, I think you're being right. I mean, listen, I've made it very, very clear that I think that, you know, this capacity building, sustainable development, all of that, those buzzwords, buzzwords and that jargon that comes out of the aid industry um, is, is crap. And I think people who work within the aid industry know it very well. It's, this is a multi multi-billion dollar industry. Um, They will defend it until the cows come home, but at the end of the day, we know full well, based on the statistics, based on the the track record of USAID in Africa, that outside of emergency aid, again, people, the system is very well set up to deal in many ways with a crisis like Ebola, where they can rush huge resources, lots of money, lots of people very quickly to kind of contain a problem, whether it's famine famine or disease or war. 
the capacity building and the sustainable development side of things uh, it has, uh, you know, a, a track record that I would love to debate with anybody, uh, because in my view, it's indefensible considering the amounts of money that have been spent there. This again brings up the Chinese. Uh, you know, the Chinese bring up over and over again that they've seen the failures of the aid system in Africa. They've seen that it hasn't done what you talk about, building development, building capacity, and so they prefer much more to, to build infrastructure and to build, you know, to do, you know, kind of physical development on that side. I'm not suggesting that the Chinese way is the best way per se. I'm more suggesting that we know that the American aid way is not the right way. And yet to see Obama over and over again kind of represent, you know, this mindset and this philosophical view that it works uh, is is ridiculous to me. Um, Quickly, just before we go, uh, you know, it wasn't just about money, even though this really had the feel of a Chinese-style summit. And this was what came up from the folks at Human Rights Watch and some of the other uh, human rights activists that said it was a shame in many ways that the administration pursued an economic agenda, a more corporatist agenda, along the lines of what a Chinese government conference would do rather than to focus more attention on human rights and human development. What was your thought on that? Well, um, it, it seemed to me a break from 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 a usual focus because I mean you know the U.S. does frequently take a, a, a human rights and, and human human development you know kind of focus in terms of their in in in, in their interactions with Africa. My instinct was that part of it was. To do with this this desire to have a TCAD or FOCAC style mass summit. So the moment you started talking about human rights, a bunch of people would start would refuse to to, to come, would refuse to attend. Um, and of course, you know, kind of the, the the human rights point was made by by kind of pointedly not inviting certain people, including Robert Mugabe. Um, you know, so in a way. The, the human rights point was made before the summit started, and then the summit itself was more economic. Um, I think, in a way, it, it you know, kind of my feeling was that the, the U.S. had been so disengaged with African business for so long that that that, that taking an economic stance was actually a refreshing thing to do. Um, you know, kind of, but but that, of course, is it, but it is problematic. You know, kind of, obviously, because human rights problems are are dragging on. You know, um, for for a long time, but I think you know, kind of the the real gap that that needed to be filled was this kind of like long term disengagement with African economies. Yeah, um, well, I don't know if you agree. I, I absolutely agree, and this is why I don't think the Americans are going to be successful in Africa. We've said it before in the show. We'll say it again. <laughs> that the United States, I think, has one commercial officer in eleven embassies. Uh, you know, whereas the Chinese, are f- and not only just the Chinese, the Russians, the Brazilians, the Indians, everybody else uh, is is far more engaged on the human resource side. Uh, the United States and its foreign policy uh, and its entire you know foreign policy making system is is focused on the Middle East and it's focused on security. Um, they don't even have enough. You know. Qualified people in the China desks, uh, and China is its most important, 
you know, economic and strategic partner in terms of, of global issues, not strategic in the sense of par- partnership, but certainly in terms of global strategy. And, and I, you know, so this is not, they don't have the oxygen for, for Africa. It just, it takes a lot of people, a lot of time, and a lot of expertise, and that's not where their head is right now. Their head is in security. Their head is in anti-terrorism, and that's where the resources are going. And I thought what was interesting in the summit was there was a lot of talk about security. The United States is building more, uh, more, more capacity. So we talk about capacity building. It's certainly in the military side. The investment in security in North Africa, in East Africa, is huge. Uh, so on that front, I think they should be, uh, that's impressive. Um, if they could only take that level of commitment and stretch it to other sectors, I think they'd be very effective. But I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, kind of, I, th- I think also um, one has to ask, you know, what, what America can really add at the moment in, in 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 Africa not only in terms of African development but what American businesses can can ah. achieve well, in no, Africa no. let me give you a counterpoint on that one and this is yeah. um, this was actually from Howard French uh, in he wrote an, uh, an op-ed in the New York Times and and this is what got me excited and I think the Americans do have something to add we are a leader mm. in education. Uh, you know, in terms of building online and physical campuses across Africa. Certainly education's an area. Healthcare is another area where we can do Mm. it. We actually have a lot that can be delivered. The problem is there just isn't the focus to to do it. And and our priority just isn't there. But he was talking so Howard French, the author of China's Second Continent and the associate professor over at Columbia University, his suggestion was there are areas that we can can contribute, but we got to get in the game. And, And at the end of the the day Americans just aren't in the game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would also say probably from this side um, that, you know, kind of, I think Africans, African governments and African cities probably can do a lot more to pull certain American institutions into the game. So, for example, um, you know, Monash University from Australia has a, has a satellite campus in Johannesburg. You know, it's, it's you know, kind of, if, if uh, uh, some kind of Ivy League university in the US, if, if they can be enticed they, they, you know, kind of they. It's very easy for them to, to do something similar. Um, so I think they would need need to be much more like a proactive approach, kind of to pull America across the Atlantic to Africa as well from the African side. Um, but you know, kind of it's it's, it's like China Africa discussions generally is like um, you know Africa needs to be more. Put put in more concerted effort. Need to negotiate collectively. Need to have more of a game plan. You know, in the, for for China and for America. I well, think. I mean, at the end of the day, and let's call us. You know, let's just call it what it is. Africa really isn't that important to the United States, and it won't be that important. Less than one percent of U.S. FDI goes into Africa. Um, you know, America's strategic areas are Canada, Mexico, China, Japan, um, and Europe, and Western Europe. So economically, Africa and is becoming less important. Um, you know, as we talk about the big emerging markets that are coming there, sure, there might be some opportunities for, for some American companies to take advantage of on the telecom side, certainly some of the environmental technology side. I think there's some opportunities, but I don't think it's going to be a substantive shift. Uh, you know, at the, end, at the end of the day, it's just not where the focus is. Um, the markets aren't big enough. And Americans have moved on from catering to these very, to, to emerging markets. They, they, you know, that's just my, my two cents. I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to disagree 
agree with what I have to say. I, I just I, whether it's the aid or the dis, the dissing of, of of the American policy structure or, or the corporate interest in Africa. But you and I both know that the presence of American companies and the presence of American uh, diplomats on the ground is neither is very impressive. Yeah, yeah, they, you know, yes, it's, it's really from this side as well. It just Africa just doesn't seem to be much of a priority. And it, yeah, and I don't see that changing. So, mm. so what do you think? We'd like to hear from you. We talk about this issue all the time on our Facebook page over at facebook.com/slash/China-Africa-Project. Um, do you agree with my skepticism? Do you think I'm kind of off base? Um, I get the sense that people want America to succeed. There's a real idealism that that America represents, and that people really are, are, are just kind of rooting for it so desperately. Um, and there's a, that, that almost adds to a, a bigger disappointment when it doesn't follow through. But what do you think? So facebook.com slash China Africa Project. Cobus and I are on the page almost 24 hours a day now, actually. During the summit, Cobus, it was amazing. We were scheduling posts to go 24 hours. There was so much coverage yeah. of it. It was exciting. <laughs> uh, and what was exciting also was to see how much di- discussion was going on. So we love to hear from you. Cobus and I put our names in brackets so you know which one of us is talking, uh, and you can follow us there. But also, we're on Twitter, and we're tweeting almost every day. Cobus, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at Stadenesque. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And you can find me over at Twitter at E-O-Lander, E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. And, of course, if you want to find this podcast, uh, you can find us over on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher, and we're also on iTunes. That, of course, is the best way. And if you listen to us on your mobile phone, uh, download our Android and our Apple apps, and you can just stream right there, wherever you are. So uh, that's the best way to follow. Uh, We'll be back again very soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Until then, thank you so much for listening.